Welcome to the All Around Joe podcast, where you'll find tips and insights from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all-around self-improvement junkie. Hey guys, I hope you are doing great. This episode is going to be all about Ironman Canada, the race. So from the morning that I woke up to finishing the day and the race. But before we get into that, I want to make sure that you guys are following me on the social channels because I'm posting on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter pretty much every day right now. So if you want to stay up to date with what I'm doing, what I'm reviewing, the things that I'm eating and recommending and all that fun stuff, make sure that you are following me on Instagram at all around or Instagram.com slash all around Joe, Facebook.com slash all around Joe and twitter.com slash joe underscore bauer yep screwed that one up although i do have the all around joe i just do not use it and i've used the joe underscore bauer quite a bit so make sure that you're following me over there also if you need any help with anything as far as it relates to this podcast you can always email me or throw things in the show notes the show notes for this episode are going to be at allaroundjoe.com slash 72 that is allaroundjoe.com slash 72. And let's jump right into this so that I can hopefully give you guys some insights on how my particular first Ironman went and also some ideas along the way so that maybe you can have a good experience or a better experience than I did because there are some ups and downs and we'll get into those as we go. So enjoy the story. Waking up on the day of the Ironman. If you guys missed the last episode, I highly recommend that you check it out. It's at allaroundjoe.com slash 71. And that's my pre-race podcast. I tried to originally do it all in one, but it was just too long-winded for me. I was not able to keep the excitement up. I was not able to stay focused. So I'm sorry about that. But it will be better this way. So I definitely recommend, though, that you check out the allaroundjoe.com slash 71 for the pre-race to the Ironman Canada. I ended up staying the night at the race, or the night of the race, before the race, uh, at a friend's house that was right near the start of the race, which I highly recommend that you do if you can do that, um, get a hotel or whatever that's within walking distance to the race so you do not have to worry about traveling too far on the day of the race. You want to be able to just get up, get yourself ready, and go. And I stayed on a friend's floor, essentially, on an aero bed, which I highly recommend traveling with aero beds if you haven't done that before. I actually slept on one for over a year when I lived in New York City, as a side note, so they are pretty darn comfortable as long as you don't get holes in them. So I recommend that you buy one at Costco. Then anytime you get a hole, you can just take it back and get it replaced. So enough babbling about that, though. Woke up at 4 a.m. on Sunday, the day of Ironman Canada. And 4 a.m. is early. But I've got to say that I slept really darn good. I think that had to do with getting to the race venue nice and early the two days before and just chilling out, making sure that I was eating things that I was used to. And then visualization is something I haven't talked about a lot yet, but I visualized pretty much every darn component or part of this event. And I recommend that you do that as well. If you can get a habit of just doing visualizations, either as you meditate, I like to do a morning meditation ritual, or 
as you're going to sleep at night, it's also a great time to do it. So when your head hits the pillow, visualize what you're trying to accomplish, whether that be a workout, a race, just daydreaming about what you're trying to accomplish in your life, any of those things, get into that habit. It really does help. So I had done this race over and over again already in my head, and that's probably why I slept so well the night before. I was ready to go. I got up, had my breakfast, which is at the time was always scrambled or well scrambled eggs and some oatmeal. So eggs and oatmeal. Now it hasn't really changed all that much jumping forward. I do still have um, eggs with with uh, spinach and kale. Had a little bit of a brain fart there. Eggs with spinach and kale, cooking some olive oil or a uh, spinach and kale smoothie is my breakfast nowadays. So it hasn't really differed too much. I just noticed that sometimes they do not need all the fat that come in in eggs. And if you're going to have eggs, you may as well have the yolks because that's the best part. Anyway, (laughs) that was what I got up and ate. And then I had to fill up my water bottles, which at the which I used Perpetuum by Hammer for the bike. And I had this really cool fill top water bottle that was in my arrow bars for the bike. So as you're leaning down forward, you have this straw that comes up and you can just get that fuel when you need it really easily. And sometimes I have two compartments so you could get the fuel for like your Perpetuum and the other one for water, which is really, really nice. So I did that and then I drank a third gallon of water just to get some water into my body. And as of today, I still do about 32 to, let's say about 32 to 50 ounces of water, pretty much first thing in the morning, just to get that body hydrated right off the bat after not drinking any water for the whole night. And at 5 a.m., we headed over to the race start. When you arrive at the race start, there are just, in this case, thousands of people, so 3,000 plus people. They're filing around these barricades trying to figure out where to go because they have these barricades, you know, keeping people in or out of the event, whether they be spectators or the racers. So you have to figure out where you're going to go. And then you have to drop off your special needs bag. So, you know, you can imagine all these people super nervous walking around trying to find places to drop off their bags. So you go wait in the line, you drop off your special needs bag, and then you get in line to have your race number and age written on your skin, which if you've never done a triathlon before, they usually do that. I'm not really sure why they do the age, Um, I guess so that you can compare yourself out with like how fast you're going when you pass someone, if you see their age or they pass you, you can see their age. And if they're younger than you, you can feel better about it. If they're older than you, you can feel bad. I don't know. Or it's a dating thing. Not really sure. So if you're single, you can go and see how old that person is that you're passing or that's running by you, and maybe you can strike up a conversation. I don't know. But uh, some information that they write on your body before you do a tri- most triathlons, especially the Ironman events. Then next up, you go and set up your water bottles on your bike. So I walked over to the bike corral area, and you make sure that your water bottles are all set up with all of your, you know, concoctions. In this case, I was using Hammer Perpetuum. I was using water. And then I also made sure that I had all of my goose and things like that taped on the way that I want to, made sure that was secure. And then you check your tire pressure. So it's really important, especially if you're going to be in a cold area, that your bike was left out overnight and it will have a good chance that it has reduced tire pressure. And you do not want that because it will make you work harder 
when you're spinning those pedals. So a lot of times people will bring their own pumps. I unfortunately for this event did not bring my own pump, but I was able to borrow one from somebody else. And I do recommend that unless your pump is really easy to bring along with you, just borrow somebody's. There's going to be tons of people that have pumps at the race. Just ask someone for one unless you have some sort of a weird um, a weird tube situation that you need a special pump for. So you top off your tire pressure to make sure that that is all ready. And at this point, you just have some time to hang out and hopefully stay warm trying to visualize a little bit more, have that morning coffee or pre-workout, whatever you like to have. And that's what I did. I milled around, had some pre-workout and just kind of got the feel for being in the zone and getting ready for this 2.4 mile swim that I was going to do. But as it came closer, you got yourself ready, put on your, you put on your wetsuit put on your goggles, you get your swim cap all ready to go, and you walk over across the starting line in order to get ready for the race. Most times when you do this, um, there's an unfortunate matter that you're not even ready for the race at this time because you have about 20 minutes or so to wait until it's actually your turn. And in an Ironman, it is no different. In fact, it's probably even worse. So you walk over to the start of the race. In this case, the race start was in four feet of water. So you have your wetsuit on, which fortunately keeps you pretty warm. And you have your swim cap on, which also helps keep you warm. You probably don't have your goggles on at that point. But then you realize that they have to do the national anthem for the country that you're in. So they sing this national anthem. And then you have a professional start, which is like 15 to 20 minutes before the rest of the age groupers or who, you know, people like me who are kind of slow at this type of stuff um, get to go. So you get all ready to go. You head out to the water and then they sing the national anthem and then you watch the pros go and they speed off. And then you still wait a few more minutes for your turn. In this case, you wait in the water and it was pretty interesting because you have thousands of people standing there in this uh, you know, ankle to hip deep water, getting ready to go. You're sure that everybody is peeing in this water. So there must've been tons of pee in that small area. And then you try and think about how you're actually even going to swim when this start happens, because there is so many people you like packed in here like sardines. And the, it was weird because I remember it was before I knew it that there was a 10 second countdown going on and I was like, oh no, oh crap, I'm ready. I'm not ready. I put wet, wet my goggles in the you know pea infested water, put them on my face, got ready to go. And literally 3000 people start scrambling towards this 2.4 mile swim. It was just nuts. And it was a, it was like the Chelan man that I'd done, half Ironmans and all of this uh, other s- sizes of races, but times, you know, 10. It was just so many people cramming into this little, little place that we're supposed to swim in. So for literally like 400 to 500 meters, you couldn't really swim without taking a stroke right into somebody. And there was always somebody grabbing you or pushing you or, you know, trying to swim over you. It was just complete chaos. But after about four or 500 meters, you were able to, or I should say, I was able to do a full stroke without running into somebody, which was fantastic. 
And I was able to swim along, swim along, swim along until you get to these large buoys which mark the course. And for some reason, whenever you got to these large buoys, it was like people were hanging out there and ready to like bombard you when you went by them. So you'd swim along feeling good, feeling good. There's a buoy, I know where I'm going, know where I'm going. And then wham, you run into somebody and someone runs into you and then you're like in this start position all over again. And that happened several times and I do not know why it was, but it seemed like it was even worse once we got to this turnaround spot. So we're at the 2.4 mile turnaround and there was even more chaos because there was this woman that was yelling and she needed to be rescued by kayakers and there was kayakers just kayaking right over the heads of the other swimmers. It was nuts, but finally we got out of that, got headed back down the home stretch for the last half of the swim and cruising along, feeling really good, getting my stroke, starting to feel you know good about body getting warmed up and happy about the day. Then I realized that there are these double-decker viewing boats that are on the side of the swim course and they have their engines on. Why they didn't just anchor, I have no idea. But they have their engines on and they have these this fuel fumes that are just pouring over the swimmers. So every time you'd come up for a breath, you'd get this huge breathful of exhaust, which I cannot tell you how awful that was. In fact, it started giving me a headache as I'm swimming along and I just tried to push it out of my head and be kind of like in a meditative state and not worry about it. But it was awful. So if you anybody who's listening to this that's ever gonna run a race, Make sure that you do not allow running boats to be alongside the swimmers in an event, especially as long as an Ironman, because it is no fun to be breathing in those fumes. So anyway, I pushed it out of my head, kept moving along. Things were going good. There, You're swimming along, and you finally, after what feels like an eternity, start to see the bottom. And that feels so refreshing, because... Me, for example, I knew how to ride a bike. I was pretty darn good at running, but swimming I had only been doing for a little while. So this was the hardest part by far, even though I was able to do it. And fortunately, it was the shortest part. So when I saw that bottom, I was like, thank goodness, we're on our way. And you start to get a refreshed amount of energy and swimming along, swimming along, swimming along. And as you're swimming, you see in the bottom, it's getting closer and closer and closer and closer. And then finally, it's getting to the point where you're swimming down and your arm's about to touch the bottom. And I knew as soon as I could touch the bottom, then I could probably jump up and run the rest of the way in. So eventually, I got to the point where I was able to touch the bottom. I hopped up. I ran through the swim course sign signage area over the mat which checks your time and then you have these people that are there to help you with your wetsuit so it's crazy they unzip you they pull the wetsuit down for you then they tell you to sit on the ground you sit on the ground and then they rip it off of your body and hand it to you (laughs) and then you're getting out of the way so that you can go into the transition area and dry yourself off and put on all your bike stuff so that you can bike for the rest of the day essentially so it's quite the quite the event or quite the the homecoming to getting back onto dry land. Then as you're putting on your socks, which your feet are always feeling too wet, you pull those on, you pull on your shoes, you get your helmet, you get your super big at the time Garmin watch, which you want to know so that you can figure out how fast and how far you've been going. So you have some sort of idea about that. And then I grabbed my peanut butter and honey sandwich, which I, which I packed, which I like to have full 
like normal food as I'm racing and peanut butter honey sandwiches are just the great combination for me of carbohydrates, a little bit of protein, some fat and that sweetness that comes with the honey my body just processes it really well. So if you haven't tried that, give it a shot. So I grabbed that munching on it as I'm going, but I was kind of taking my time trying to enjoy this. I knew that it, that even if I took a few more minutes in the transition areas, that was going to be fine. I wanted to make sure that I was ready to go. So as I'm walking out towards the bike, I have someone spray and smear sunscreen all over me so that even though it's going to be a hot day, I was hopefully not going to get too much of a sunburn. And then you pretty much hop on your bike and head out for something that's going to be five plus hours, right? So I got going, started cranking, you clip your pedals in, you munch down the rest of that sandwich and see how things are feeling. It's kind of weird because you just spent all that time kicking, 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 and now you're spinning, spinning, spinning. So it took a little bit while, probably like 20 or 30 minutes for me to start to get that sluggish feeling out of my legs, but I started feeling pretty good and I'm cruising along. It's a beautiful, beautiful country up there in Penticton, Canada. I highly recommend it for even a vacation time. It's just amazing to be up there and have be able to do an Ironman there. I can't believe it. You know, it's it's fantastic. I'm sad that they don't do them there anymore. I really wish that they did because that race course and everything was just wonderful. So I'm riding along, riding along, riding along on my bicycle bike. And I start to see people on the side of the road just as I'm starting to get my legs under me feeling good. And then I see another person on the side of the road, another person, another person. And there's all these people on the side of the road. And then I see a SAG truck, which is the truck that helps people if they have flats or whatnot. And there's yelling at us to stay in the middle of the road. Because I guess somebody went out there and threw tacks all over the road, maliciously trying to give these bikers flats, which is interesting because there's probably some local person that didn't like the Ironman being in town. But what they didn't realize is the Ironman was probably helping the economy there. Not anymore, right? Maybe that person one in the end, but they had thrown tacks on the ground and there was 20 plus people that had gotten flats. Fortunately, I was able to stay in the middle and not get any, have any issues with flats and just continue riding along. Now on this Ironman Canada course in Penticton, there was two mountain passes that you had to go up and down, which sounds bad, but it's actually nice to have the variation of the ups and the downs and the flats. So I didn't mind that too much, especially because I did CrossFit endurance training. So I was really used to pounding hard and then recovering quickly. So that was fine for me. And it was also great because it was a big loop rather than any kind of this out and back stuff that really drives me nuts and makes me feel bored when I'm out racing. So it was always a new environment. You always got to see something interesting and two mountain passes. So lots of climbing. So I remember hitting the first mountain pass, which was Richter Pass, 1,300 foot crusher, as I thought of it back then, and feeling pretty good. But the uh, the heat of the day at that point was starting to increase. So make sure that if you're in an iron doing an Ironman in a hot environment, that you have plenty of water. So I would grab two water bottles every water station and pour one of them over my back to make sure my body temperature was staying cold. And then I would drink or dump the other one in one of my bottles. And that happened quite a while, especially when you're going up these hills. You want to make sure that you're not going to overheat. So really pay attention to that. Drink extra water. It's always good to have extra water. If you're having to pee, that's a good sign. So 
Usually when you're on a bike and you have to pee during one of these events, you just go. And then you know that the next time you're going to grab a water bottle, you dump it over yourself, and it will just wash the pee right off of you. It's unfortunate if there's somebody riding right behind you, which they shouldn't be anyway because drafting is illegal in Ironman events. But if they are, then there they go. They get a little bit of pee on them. Sorry. So it was really cool as you're going up and made it to the top of this Richter Pass because there was tons of people that were cheering you on. It just felt very, very awesome. And you notice that as you do these events, these spectators are such a big part of it. They can really, really control your emotional state. And having people like at the top of a pass just made you feel great because you're working so hard. It's never going to end. It feels like that. And then there's all these people just cheering their brains out for you. And you get this exhilaration feeling that goes along with, you know, just feeling better. And as I get to the top of this pass, then it starts to go back down. And I remember I was dropping into my arrow bars, feeling good, cruising really, really fast to the point even where I popped back out of my arrow bars because I was feeling uncomfortable with how fast I was going and I wanted to really have good stability. After that, I was going along and I remember hitting the 60 mile mark and 60 mile mark on this event actually marked the point that it was the furthest I had ever ridden on a bicycle, 60 miles. So halfway done, got through the 60 mile point uh, of the event and I had never done it before because I was doing CrossFit Endurance and CrossFit Endurance you do slow or, or short burst uh, intervals training to get yourself ready for it. So I was feeling great at that time. I <laughs> I was actually thinking to myself at the time that I should, you know, wanted to yell out and be like, woo, PR, you know, but uh, I didn't want to make anyone else feel bad because they probably spent a lot of time riding and spent the time on their bike, which there is some something to be said, you know, now that I've done it, I have that feeling and I did it in a race rather than in training, but it, you know, it's, it is what it is. On my bike, I had the nutrition set up to be like, like I said, from the start, I had a sandwich, but then I had hammer gels, which, uh, things that I was able to rip off my bike, as well as these little, uh, flasks that I put in the back of my Jersey, which I highly recommend. Those are fantastic. You just put the gel into these flasks and you pop shots of this into your mouth as you need them. I use sport beans and sport beans are something that I really like. Um, if they have the caffeine in them, those are my kind of jolt fuel of choice. I use some honey stingers and then I use goo roctane energy gels, which also have some caffeine in them. I'm a big fan of the caffeine. Some people have different experiences with it, but it does really well for me. So about half of the things that I have have caffeine in them. And I strategically use that as I'm going along in order to either get that feeling of energy or if I don't need it, then I have a, a bunch of things that do not have the caffeine in it as well right? As well as having like a sandwich, which is going to be a little bit more solid or eating some oranges at the aid stations instead of having a goo packet, which might go through your stomach a little bit faster. So you get to feel uh, what your body needs at those times and then go with that. So I was eating those things. And at that point, I actually was pretty surprised because I thought that the aid station was going to be at the 60 mile point, but it ended up being closer to the 80 mile mark. So I was about 20 miles off. And that was my bad because I didn't look at the course to see where it was. They clearly marked it, but I just missed it. So I was ready to have, you know, another almond butter and honey sandwich, but 
I was going to have to wait about 20 miles to get that. Make sure you check the check the map, you know, check the map. But I had enough fuel on me, so it was fine. There were aid stations. I was able to grab stuff. It worked out. It worked out great. It wasn't too bad. Um, and by the time that I reached that aid station, it was pretty interesting experience because there you have these these bags that they hand you. And as you're riding up, you have somebody that's yelling out your number so that the person behind them can find the bag. And then they have it ready because some people just grab it on their bike, rustle through it, grab what they want, throw the bag back out, and they're good to go. People like me that had never done this before actually stopped, hopped off a bike, grabbed the sandwich, grabbed what I wanted, hand the bag back, slowly got back on my bike, and then started moving again. You can really do it either way that you want to. I would recommend practicing it if you're going to take the bag on your bike. Um, and, you know, in the race that's this long, it's not going to make that big of a deal. And it feels good to get off your bike at that point. So I did it that way. Then some interesting things started to happen. So we've been on your bike for a long time. It was a PR for me as far as the distance goes. My neck and my back started bothering me a lot. But fortunately, I had some pain reliever with me. I had some roll-on stuff that I could put on. It was kind of like an icy hot uh, that I could put on my neck so that it would numb that sensation, make me make me feel a little bit better. And I really, really liked having that with me, especially if you weren't as accommodate or as used to doing these long rides. So that was a huge saver. But then what happened, and you won't believe this, they ran out of water at the aid stations on the second half of the bike. So we're riding for miles and miles and miles without having any water. (laughs) Can you believe it? There was one point I actually saw a pond on the side of the road, and I was so hot at this point that I almost jumped off my bike to go and dip into the pond really quick and then hop back out so that I would just cool my body temperature down. It's amazing. I cannot believe it. And maybe that's part of the reason why that event isn't there anymore because it was run poorly because there were several spots where there was no water. And it's, it is just something that cannot happen. You cannot run out of water in Ironman events. So that was, yeah, unheard of. But, you know, you had to do what you had to do. So you kept on going without any water, drank down all the bottles that you had on, on hand. And fortunately... There, the end of the bike wasn't too far out there. So when you're done going through these mountain passes, you cruise back into the town of Penticton, which literally feels like the Tour de France. I've never been to the Tour de France, so I guess I don't really know. But there's just hundreds or thousands of people lining these streets cheering for you as you come riding through. It is just Man, it is just a feeling, a scene to be seen. It is just fantastic. It, it's one of those things where you, you're feeling terrible at that time. Terrible. But that totally brings your spirits up. It makes things hurt less. It's, it's awesome. It's freaking awesome. So you run or you ride your bike into the, the city there and you run into in a the transition area, you have someone yell at you to get off your bike, or at least I did, because apparently I wasn't supposed to be riding my bike that far, and hopped off. Get yourself changed, you know, take the helmet off, take the shoes off, put on your running shoes. If you had your bike computer or your watch on your bike, you pop that off, put it on your wrist. You grab another special needs bag, see if there's anything that you want to have in it. 
And I remember sitting there and there's always people in these aid stations slash transition areas that are there to help you. And this person tells me, you know, just, you know, take it slow, take it slow. And I remember telling them, I've been waiting for this all day. And I had, I was a runner. So getting through the swim, getting through the bike, I was so excited to get out on the run. This is my time to kill it, my time to go. And I grabbed my sandwich, another sandwich, started chewing on it, couldn't eat it. Because there was not enough water on the bike, I couldn't keep my saliva going. So I tried to munch through this thing, but I ended up just chewing on it, chewing on it, not being able to swallow. So I tossed it aside, grabbed some oranges instead, ate those. But I was out on the run at this point. So I was super excited to be out there running along, feeling good, and just, you know, Man, I had over well over half of this race done, had my favorite part ahead of me. We're headed out on an out and back, and I'm running through the city or the town of Penticton, seeing my family and friends alongside, cheering for me, as well as all of the other people that are cheering. I It was so cool. I remember my legs felt terribly wobbly from getting off the bike and going from bike to run, which is pretty normal after riding that amount of time, but... I was so happy, even though they felt like that, because I knew that I was going to be able to come back strong for that run. And for the most part, I did until tragedy struck. And I'll talk about that in a little while. But I'm running along. My time is fantastic. I'm setting myself up to totally PR this thing. My legs start to feel better. We're going heading out on this 26-mile marathon at the end of the race. My favorite part, run many ultra marathons in the past, so this was not that big of a deal. And as we're going out, we end up hitting or running alongside this lake. And the lake is just beautiful. You know, it's this really tranquil place. Like I said, it's fantastic. I remember looking down at my watch and seeing I was averaging just a little over seven minute miles and telling myself, whoa, I must be feeling better than I thought I was. I needed to slow down a little bit, slow down, because my goal was to be at like an eight-minute mile. So at this point, I was just crushing that goal, and I was already into the run faster than I expected. So things were just going, you know, better than could be expected. But it was hot out. It was hot. And remember I told you that we didn't have water at the end of the bike. So I think that might be what had come back to bite me in the butt. I had this routine going on the run where it was so hot that they had sponges that would cool you down and ice, so buckets of ice and little cups of ice. So I'd run along, I would grab a cup of ice and I'd throw it down back of my jersey and then I would grab two sponges and I'd put them in the front of my jersey and I'd run like that until the next aid station where I'd take the sponges out and I'd squeeze the excess water onto my head and rinse and repeat. So it was this great Great uh, technique that I had going on. Felt good. Nutrition was feeling really good. I was taking gel at every other station. I was drinking one or two cups of water at each station. Uh, I was thinking that I was getting myself re-rehydrated from not having water on the bike. But it turns out I must have been wrong. Because about halfway through the run, near the turnaround point, I started feeling not so good, which was horrible because 
my legs actually felt great, but it was my stomach that started feeling weird. And I'm cruising along, you know, I'm going to crush the time that I wanted to, to hit. But then my stomach started really cramping up. And when I say cramping up, I mean like it felt like I had a rubber band around the top and the bottom of my stomach. So when I'd put water in, it didn't want to go down. When I put food in, it didn't want to go down. And then there was nothing coming out the other end at all, even if I wanted it to, if, and if I tried, you know, you get the point. So I ended up having to go into this run-walk sequence where I would run for as far as I could, then I would walk. Then I would run until I felt like I was going to puke, and then I would walk until I could run again. And at this point... I remember I just was getting so upset because I had set this pace and I was going to totally crush it, you know? And at this point, my legs, like I said, they still felt great, but my stomach was not allowing me to continue moving without feeling like I was going to puke. I tried doing things that I hadn't done before. I tried drinking some Coke to see if that's, they have flat Coke at the events because the, that, tends to be something that a lot of people like for quick energy. I tried drinking the flat Coke. I tried drinking chicken soup, which actually helped for a little while, but then it stopped working and started feeling bad. I tried eating my oranges, but nothing would allow me to continuously take in the fuel or to allow it to flush out. So I couldn't pee, couldn't poop, nothing. Even though I tried, I spent like 10 minutes in a porta potty. I took extra caffeine because as you know, that can kind of put, move things along for you. So I would, I tried all these things and it just was not working. So I ended up just having to give in and walk. And I literally walked for about four to five miles. And if you could imagine this, imagine seeing me, I had my chest, or I'm sorry, my chin on my chest. So my head was down because I felt like I was going to puke if I lifted my head up. So I'm walking along, having people that are cheering, right? The, The spectators saying, you know, you're going to do it, you're going to make it. And at this point, I knew I was going to make it. Even if I had to walk slowly to the end, I was going to easily make it hours to spare um, finishing the, the event. But, I, man, I just remember feeling so bad that I was prepared, I felt good, and it was this stupid mistake, or I don't even know if it was a mistake. I don't know exactly what happened, but my stomach just decided that it wasn't going to work anymore, and it started shutting down. Even at that point, my legs felt great, and I just could not get it to go. So I'm walking for miles, it seemed like miles and miles. And then finally, I tried to give it, you know, one last go. If I was going to puke, I was going to puke, whatever I needed to get myself moving. I actually had one of my friends had run back down the course because they saw how fast I was going out that they thought something that was had happened. And it had, right? My stomach wasn't working. So they ran out down the course. They saw me. They got the information. They ran back, told my family. And so I'm like, well, screw this. I'm going to get going. I'm going to puke all over myself if I have to. Maybe that's what I need to do. So I took myself into this place, you know, this meditative place and started running. You know, it was really slow at first. Slow, slow, slow. But it was feeling okay. It was feeling okay. My stomach was actually letting me continue to increase the intensity after walking for four to five miles. It's stupid thing. So I'm feeling better, feeling better, feeling better and actually started feeling good. So I got to the point where for the last two or three miles, I'm feeling 
pretty darn good. And at the Ironman Canada in Penticton, when you come in back to the town, they have you do this little out and back, which is really a, a teaser. You know, it's just, they tease you. They must have, they just need to get a couple more miles in. They couldn't have you do out and back. It didn't quite work. So you come in and you, th- you hear the, the race finish. You go right by it. You can see it and everything. But then you have to do another two mile out and back. So out a mile and back a mile. And I remember, you know, just being happy at that point to feel okay, but still a little bit sad that I didn't or I wasn't able to continue feeling good enough to really get to the time that I wanted to be at. But I got out a mile and I started coming back. And I literally started to do not not a sprint, obviously, because you're not going to sprint for a mile. But I ran a hard last mile, hard last mile. Felt great coming in, sprinted the last 100 yards or so, ran over the tape, had them say, you know, Michael Bauer, you are an Ironman. And I remember stopping. You have someone that catches you at the end of the race and telling them, you know, shoot, I feel fine. And I really did. I felt fine. Now that my stomach wasn't hurting, I felt really good. So I was just sad that I could not get my stomach have my stomach have felt better and I would have come in a few out or I don't know about a few hours but at least an hour before the time that I did and I was able to just walk around go get some food no big deal take pictures feel great and I actually can tell you that my legs and my body have felt way worse after doing a 50 mile ultra marathon than it did after doing this Ironman so I think it was because there was a combination of different things that made your body not feel completely drained. Whereas like if you're running for 50 plus miles up and down mountains, they're only using your legs the whole time that are super pounding in one particular way. And that's probably why things felt better than I thought that they were going to. So if it wasn't for my stomach, I, I would have really had a great event, but it was a learning experience. I'm, you know, I know way more about myself now and I get to teach it to people like you that are listening to this. Make sure that you have those extra water bottles on yourself so that if they do run out of water, you're able to continue to pump that water in you because that's probably what happened is I just reached a dehydrated point and my body just started shutting down. And then it came back and I was able to do it, you know, again at the very end. But I felt pretty good at the end. I, I like I said, ate something. We walked around, got my bike, hopped in the car, had to drive back, you know, uh, 30 to 45 minutes because if you listen to the previous podcast, we had to get a hotel that was not very close, which is why I stayed at a friend's place, which was near the race start. But you haul your bike back in. And it was really crazy because I was able to drink water at that point. I even ate a bunch of pizza after the event. So it was just that stupid little fluke in the middle where my stomach had some weird little thing going on with it and wasn't going to cooperate. I felt fine after that. So I finished the Ironman, felt great, didn't quite do as well as I wanted to. But was happy to be done, happy to have done that, happy to have put in all that hard training and been able to stay mentally strong for it. And then I got up in the morning and I actually did a little bit of a recovery workout, got the blood flowing, which I highly recommend continuing to do. This could just be like a walk. I did a little bit of weight training, that type of stuff, because I had that at the hotel. But it doesn't have to be anything intense. It could just, like I said, walk, hike, something like that. Just get the blood flowing to help you recover a little bit faster. 
And don't do this though. I jumped right back into my training because I was going to do another Ironman a few months down the road and I wanted to feel good and do it. Uh, but it, it totally shut me down. It moved me towards overtraining, which if you followed me at all, you know that I went into a severe overtrained uh, adrenal fatigue state after these events. So I ended up having to take a full week off, maybe like two weeks after the event. And I recommend that if you do one of these, do active recovery, you know, every day or, you know, at least every other day, but don't make it hard. Don't make it back in, don't jump right back into your training. Give your body the chance to recover that needs. If you're using an activity tracker, definitely, you know, do that. Check your HRV. Um, I'm using this sweet whoop band right now. That would be, have been fantastic to have during these events so that I could see, you know, how my body had been recovered at the time. And after the race, I could have tracked to see how many days I would have should have had off before I was totally recovered. So looking back now, knowing those things, it would have been nice. But you can learn from it. I would recommend that if you are going to do an Ironman event, you get one of these whoop bands, that's W-H-O-P, um, because you can totally track how recovered you are, how much sleep you need, all this interesting stuff that will be great for these types of events. If you want to get a discount, you can use the all the code all around Joe at whoop.com W H O P.com. And that will get you some money off when you buy one. So let me know if you have any questions about that. I'm going to do a full post on it on the site in the future. But that was my story of Joe, the Iron Man and Iron Man Canada. I hope that it was helpful for you. I'm going to have tons of show notes over at all around Joe.com slash 72 where you can find out, you know, all the stuff that I was taking as far as supplements and that fun stuff, all the gear that I used. So hop over there. Like I said, leave me a comment, uh, shoot me an email, follow me on social media at Instagram.AllAroundJoe.com, Facebook, Instagram.com slash AllAroundJoe, Facebook.com slash AllAroundJoe, or Twitter.com slash Joe underscore Bauer. I hope this has been helpful for you. It was fun doing it, fun reliving this, and hopefully it was helpful. The All Around Joe podcast, where you'll find tips and insights from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all-around self-improvement junkie. I will see you on the next podcast.